Filmmaker Commentary, episode 180. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Back to the Future 2 by Robert Temeckis. Um, this was 1989. Yes, sir. And he also co-wrote it. What was the budget and box office for this wonderful film? So, <laughs> Back to the Future 2 came in at a $40 million budget, practically double the prior. Uh, came in worldwide gross of uh, $332.5 million. So, slightly less than the, the first one. Yeah. With wow. double the budget. Wow. Still good money, though. Absolutely. Still, still really good returns. Not bad. Way to go. Okay. Uh, did it win any awards or what, what was the sentiment at the time? Uh, when this one dropped, uh, obviously it was, you know, riding off some of the popularity of the, obviously the first, the first film and it's, you know, a little foot four or five year gap. First one was, what was it? 84? 85. 85. So yeah, we got a, a four year gap in, in between uh, this one dropping, but also films kind of hung around a little bit longer then, but also with the way this film ends in particular mm -hmm. with the uh, surprise ending uh, or cliffhanger ending that, that lets you know, no, there, there is definitely a, a third part to the film coming. Uh, I think that, I think that did have some impact and there's actually in one of the commentaries, mm -hmm. uh, one of the Bob's, Bob Gale, I think actually mentions he didn't like how the film was marketed. He thought that they should have let people know in advance that, this is part two of a three-part trilogy. Oh, interesting. That way, when people saw the ending, they weren't like, oh, man, they didn't get you know upset. But the, the studio felt that, oh, this film this film is a standalone film. It can survive on its own. It's like, yeah. well, no. It's, it's, it, it definitely stands on the shoulders of the first film yeah. and doesn't complete without the third. Yeah. So, mm -mm. even though they were already, obviously, far enough into production the third film and they literally have a trailer drop at the end of this film yeah it was so weird spoiler alert I guess it was I don't know, so weird yeah because um, it said um, so people were upset that it said to be concluded they were upset they were like wait a second they didn't know yeah so it kind of he, he, he brought up I thought was a pretty good example of that like in Star Wars at the end of The Empire Strikes Back spoiler alert spoiler alert you know 40 40 plus year spoiler alert yeah um that the that ends with Han Solo getting frozen in the carbonite, mm -hmm. and that's kind of how that one ends. People are like, "Yeah, what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on?" <laughs> so, yeah. So sometimes giving a little heads up to kind of manage expectations, and I find that very interesting because there are several films that have launched this summer that have that kind of had clear indicators, mm -hmm. or maybe not so clear indicators that they were part one of another like like well the 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 um most recent mission impossible and this just said part one of a oh, sequel interesting uh spider-man the oof not into the spider-verse that was the first one spider-man return home 
no, the animated one, the one with Miles. Oh, the song. Yes. It, oh. Was it was it through the Spider Verse, beyond the Spider Verse, uh, across the Spider Verse? Yeah, I don't know. The, so the the most recent, but, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so the most recent <laughs> Miles Morales Sony animated film. Yeah, uh, that one ends on a cliffhanger, and there's there's a the third one that I want to say I think is beyond the Spider Verse. But mm-hmm. I, going in, I don't know, I don't know that I knew it was going to end on a cliffhanger. That sucks. Spoiler alert. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, well, yeah, that's the... That's all good, though. Yeah, it does. So now you know going in, you you won't be... uh, Yeah, when you see the ending, you'll be like, oh, wait a minute. But but now now you know. But it's still a a freaking gorgeous film. Really good. I've been wanting to see... Anyway, so... um, Yeah, so sometimes giving a heads up to your audience that this is part of something more. Okay. Like so, another way where it works again. I'll take you guys back a couple of years of something that I know pretty much everybody has seen. Right, uh, Avengers: Infinity War. Yeah. Part one. Yeah, we kind of knew going in. Exactly. Like this was like because they, they it was that had been like discussed. They'd taken the movie and split it into two because it was so big. Yeah. So yeah, you didn't know how it was going to end, but you knew there was more. You yeah. knew you knew there was more, and not everybody just just died and flaked away. Like, <laughs> no, Spider Man, no, T'Challa, <sighs> Nick Fury, mother. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so yeah, sometimes it's nice to have a heads up. But despite those things, it did pretty darn well. Yeah, Kill Bill most recently, we you know was shot in that way, but I don't I don't remember if they marketed in that way. I don't remember. No, I, I I don't remember. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, yeah, it said volume one, but uh, Tarantino's kind of he, he's such a unique director. You're like, okay, sure, you can call something volume one. Yeah, I don't think what they is, were, what is that. What does that mean? Yeah, I kind of don't remember. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, but I'm man, just that first Kill Bill is so freaking good, though. It's, it's just good. like, oh, this is solid. It's if, well if, done. Yeah, and two came out much later, but like if two never came out. I, I yeah. still would have just loved one. Like, yeah. oh, we never got to Bill. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Part two wraps it up pretty good. Um, love the action. Um, any rate, um, and then most recently, um, the Ty West stuff that we've been covering with, um, Mac, you know, with the Maxine that's about to come out with Pearl and all that. X. Man. That like that that film's been those films have been crossing my mind of of, of late because they I think they've already shot Maxine if I'm not mistaken oh that's hopeful yeah With all the so it's about to drop strikes and the likes oh yeah 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 they rep it's crazy how all those movies kind of like dodged and were able to survive through all this stuff because like the first two survived the COVID and then because they had to shoot somewhere else and then yeah now you got the strike so it was like well editors aren't on strike so editors get busy. Give us content. <laughs> yeah. I you mean, get plenty of that. Just want from faces you know. Oh, wow. Everybody's not signed up with the guild. That's true. Um, all right. Uh so the so yeah, so that was the sentiment of the time. Um Did it win any awards? Uh no major awards. It was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Mm-hmm. Did not win, but that's the only Academy Award it, it was it was nominated for and i've kind of noticed that trend some trend at times with certain films like the first again rocky was a great example of it first film bam gets all these all this recognition all its accolades all these nominations Mm -hmm. and clearly the the following film will have better visuals better this better that it's usually more polished but the heart where's the heart yeah but then not yeah not recognized as much but um 
Yeah, but that's the only only nomination. But again, I don't know who else they were up against, right? That's always the other factor. Okay, well, who else were you up against, right? Yeah. What else came along? It may have been something else that was new. Well, of course it was new. <laughs> something else that came along that may have, you know, done just got more had more shine. Absolutely. But yeah, no uh, no major no major award wins for Back to the Future Part Two. Okay. And before we talk further about Back to the Future Two. Let's talk about TV news and movies watched. So in the news, according to Deadline Hollywood, Viola Davis steps back from G20. Despite the picks sag after waiver, she said it's not appropriate for this production to move forward during the strike. This is an exclusive in, in a movie that might well set a precedent for another A-lister, G twenty star, star Viola Davis has it's a little bigger has become the first to publicly back away from the project for the duration of the actors and writers' strike, even after the film got the SAG after interim agreement necessary to start production. Mm. Uh, I love this movie, but I do not feel that it would be appropriate for this production to move forward during the strike," said the Oscar and Emmy winner in a statement uh, obtained exclusively by Deadline. I appreciate the producers on the project. Um, I appreciate that the producers on the project agree with this decision, Juvie Productions, and I stand in solidarity solidarity with actors on the sag after and the WGA. Take the money and run! <laughs> News of the, of the move on Davis's part comes one day after an unconfirmed report in The Sun that Brad Pitt has paused production on his Formula One film for Apple in solidarity with the Strikers, also stepping away from a title called Apex. Interesting. Um, I remember uh, Justin Simeon, maybe this was like a few weeks ago, uh, he got a lot of people kind of mad at him uh, for being at a, I think it's the movie that, that, that recently came out that he directed, it's called the Haunted House movie. You remember like the Eddie Murphy movie, Haunted Mansion or whatever? Yeah, that apparently had a pretty decent opening uh, this this weekend. I'm hearing, I'm hearing some decent buzz kind of about mm -hmm. the film that I saw the trailers for it. And I was like, nah, I don't know, but yeah, it's getting some, uh, it's getting some buzz. Interesting. So, yeah, so he, you know, he's a director. That's a DGA. Have, they have nothing to do with the strikes at the union, uh, for the actors and the writers. Um, so he was the only one in, like on the red carpet to like kind of promote the film, you know, somebody still has to promote the film cause it's out. It's out there. Yeah. yeah. And so like a lot of people kind of like, like, what are you doing? You shouldn't like trying to shame them for, you know, promoting the film. Uh, he was the only one there, so this is interesting um, how they how the politics of that goes. Even yeah, if you're not, if, even if your union isn't part of it, yeah, and he may have points on the back end, so he's got to still, I mean, get paid again. If he's not in your, if his union's not striking, he's not violating anything. So, you know, it's, it's a uncomfortable situation for right. all, but uh, let's yeah. not, uh, you know. Attack like, someone uh, that's not really involved with yeah, it. Yeah. Like that's just uh he, he already did his he did his job already directed a movie, so and now he's gotta promote it. So I mean, eh. Uh one other thing I'll mention, this is another another story from Deadline. It says Barbie, Oppenheimer, and Haunted Match and fuel record final weekend in July with two hundred and seventeen million plus. How long does this box office boom last as strikes continue? Ooh. Uh Saturday uh, this is a Saturday night update. Uh this week should really be a come to Jesus for both the AMTPT and the SAG after to get their acts together and come to terms. That's because it's truly a rich one at the box office with studio estimates pegging 240 million plus for all films, a record for the last weekend of July. It's also 122% up from a year ago and 
plus 34% from pre-pandemic 2019, which was led by the second uh, frame of the Lion King. Uh, overall, this weekend is 30% off from last weekend's massive $311.2 million uh, weekend. Um, so, yeah, interesting. This is, uh, again, Barbie and Oppenheimer really, uh, now along with Haunted Mansion, really are doing some good numbers for not mm-hmm. being what we've seen over the past decade of, of you know, big temple blockbusters of a, of a say, a, a Marvel, uh, a Marvel-esque movie. But you know what? That's not the, uh, it's not Marvel's fault. That's the, you know, make, make the films people want to see at whatever level. And, you know, the audiences will, will come. So, Absolutely. but yeah, both of, both of films that I want to see and see in theaters to, you know, get that support out there. Cause mm-hmm. I, you know, you definitely want to be able to have those mid market films still be able to do their, do their thing. Absolutely. Uh, and then there's superhero fatigue as well. It's like, give me something else, please. Yeah. yeah. For some. <laughs> yeah. For some, you know, you're going to get the dedicated, but Oh my, I, after the whole Flash situation, I'm like, all right, I think we're done. Flash was, man, Flash was a crash and burn. I mean, yeah. Flash <laughs> Flash is like historic, like epic, epic fail. Yeah. That, that was rough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some there's some fun part. Anyway, yeah, we won't go all in the Flash. Yeah, okay. that's, but yeah, DC's, DC's had some, been kind of, been kind of rough the past couple yeah. of, uh, anyway, yeah. But uh, it's rough. If, it, if, it's, if it's good, it's good. Because Guardians, the last Guardians, Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah you tell me about that one. That is that's going to be dropping on Disney Plus. Don't say this week. Okay, but check, definitely check that out. Yeah, that one. Oh man, woof, hard string, like pulling on them heart strings. Uh, but yeah, so what have what have you been watching, Reginald? Speaking of original stuff, um, just recently watched They Clone Tyrone on Netflix. Okay, um, have you seen it? I have not. Solid. Yeah. Yeah, it's solid. Uh, and again, it's cool to see something different, you know, it's where stuff is like, kind of like, I uh, kind of see what's like, all right, let's, okay, it's time for the epic bi- battle now. You know, it's, you know, the formula. We, we all know Hollywood loves it, formulas. Oh, like, man, it was like, I'm glad that there's different stuff in the marketplace. And sure. so this one being one of them. So it's like black to me, it's like black exploitation film is like back, but it is just packaged differently. It's, it's pretty cool. I like the style of it. Um, I didn't expect to like it, honestly. Uh, Cause like just judging it from the trailer when it first came out, I was like, meh, you know, I was just just like ah maybe, okay. Uh, but if recently they've been kind of marketing it a little bit more. They've been pushing it. Some of the actors have kind of been talking about certain things. So um, yeah, I was like pleasantly surprised. That's always nice to hear. It's always a nice. It's nice to have expectations kind of managed and yeah. then have something exceed them. Yeah, and it's and it's a fun film too. All right, they clone Tyrone. Yeah. As a faithful hardcore, I, I was on uh, HBO Max and I started watching Superpowered, the DC story. <laughs> <laughs> no superhero fatigue here. <laughs> Keep it going. But I, I, what, I is it a documentary? Is yeah, it? okay. It's, it's, it's like a docu series narrated by Rosario Dawson, just going into the, like the history of DC, like from yeah. its its ground roots. It's it's well done because they they do nice like little kind of timeline jumps of, all right, this is when Superman was created, and then. This is how you know it impacted this later on in the future, but yeah, it's it's always. I know I, I enjoy those things, and I and I enjoy seeing the the old talent and just seeing kind of where the how the industry went from being like it was it was a thing where back in the day, like if you were a, you wrote or drew comics, like mm-hmm. you, you weren't respected. True, it was like people were like you do what for a living. People would kind of like, eh, kind of keep it under the Especially radar. Especially American in America, you know, it was kind of 
Yeah. It's kind of looked down upon. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it absolutely was. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just kind of seeing those, those things evolve. And again, how DC really kind of established the, the modern superhero myth, um, and kind of guidelines. And then when Marvel came up and kind of bucked, bucked those trends and made their heroes more fallible mm-hmm. down there. Like they had problems like Spider-Man's, an exact antithesis of what Superman is. Mm-hmm. Superman is all powerful, could do whatever he wants, really, but chooses to be this mild man and reporter. Whereas Parker, like, he has to work mm-hmm. and, and take pictures of himself as Spider Man to get the medicine Aunt May needs because she's sick. You know, it's like, yeah. Anyway, so enjoying that so far. I'm like, I'm two. I think I'm on the third episode of that, but it's yeah, well done production and some mm-hmm. some some nice interviews and just. Through the years, you're getting interviews with people from from Linda Carter, who you know from Wonder Woman back in the '70s, to um, you know James Gunn, and they're going through again. It's that that marriage of the comic book roots and then the the media right. and then the merchandising because that's that's where when Warner Brothers the money is at. Yeah, when Warner Brothers bought DC in the late '70s, mm-hmm. they they didn't care they didn't care about the comics. Of course not. They cared about the merch. They saw these. Okay, hey, what kind of merch can we make off these? And so that's when you get like the like the '66 Batman. Well, that that was already out. But anyway, but yeah, it's about the merch. Always <laughs> about the merch. I had recently seen a, a documentary. I think it was on Freebie. Just randomly, just watching it. But it was um, what's our uh, McFarland? It was McFarland and what's the guy that uh, was a younger guy? Rob Liefeld. Yeah, that was his buddy kind Cre- of thing. Creator of Deadpool. Yes. So, oh, yeah. so it was kind of like talking about like kind of like their beef and how they kind of branched away and created was image image. Yeah. Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, mm-hmm. Todd McFarlane, uh, uh, Silvestri. Uh, there's like, there's like five, five or six guys that they were all Marvel guys at the time. And they, and there's been like a lot of different, very like different documentaries about like image comics, but this one specifically focused on, What's his name again? That artist, Rob Liefeld and Todd McFarlane. Yeah, um, just Rob kinda, and Todd because of how like he drew, how he was drawing like some of the comics. It was like it wasn't like anamorphic. It wasn't right anatomically correct. And so like they were like like rag on him and stuff. But like he he got to a point where he became like this superstar, and you know, and he was like just really rocking it out and was the man for a little while. Dude had his own Levi's jeans commercial. Wow. Like wait, what? I remember that. I remember as a kid. Yeah. Like, again, not really, I mean, not really knowing artist names, but I remember seeing, you know, that was big in the comments, but seeing this Levi's Jeans commercial with this Rob Liefeld dude, and then them showing images of, like, his X-Force comic. I was like, wait a minute, what? Like, what is going on? This guy is a comic book, again, artist, man. Away from what we were just saying. Where this <laughs> was, but that's that time in the 90s where the artists stepped to the forefront, and mm. they were... Again, McFarlane, his Spider-Man number one, like selling millions of copies. And then Absolutely. Jim Lee comes back, drops X-Men number one, like 8 million copies or something like that. Like That's like a still, I think, the record for the most uh, that, issues sold of whatever of the, a single comic. The best thing I like about it, come from business school, is seeing how they you know, weren't exploited anymore by where they were drawing for and not having their own comics that they owned, owned. And now they can actually make some real money off of them. So I was like, I mean, I actually appreciated that. Uh, what's the name had it? He had Spike Lee did a commercial for him. Uh, Liefeld, right? Liefeld. Yeah. Had a, Spike Lee did a commercial. I was like what? This is like crazy. Me. I feel like I'm a good, I have a good eye for art and I used to draw 
back in the day, a lot of comics, like uh-huh. a lot of comic art. Like that was that was it. I and I appreciate it before it gets colored in. Like I appreciate sure. the sketching, and then when you ink it, because it's like line work, yeah. it's a different skill set to be able to ink to be a yeah. good inker and then it's another skill set to, to colors and they used to not give colors credit in the comics yeah. back in the day because right. well, colors were flatter but now man color is so you oh, know, yeah, it's man, digital you can it, make it pop it you can pop yeah it's nuts but man it's it's that's that's cool to see but yeah image changed the game because when they yeah. found an image it was like all right the company doesn't own anything all the ip is 100 percent owned by the artist so that makes it cool where somebody could could have a contract going with marvel and they could have some royalties coming from something that they done, but if they create a character there, Marvel or DC, they they own it. Yeah. But if they go over to Image, like a guy like Rob, like Rob Kirkman, right? You know, creator of The Walking Dead, um, of Invincible, mm-hmm. you know, like that dude, you know, he's got those Stuff creations. Looks good too. Yeah, that are that are his. Yeah. And now they've they've gone on to have you know major crossover success, Walking Dead in its heyday. Yeah. I mean, and, video games, all that. Like, and now we got, of course, we got, you know, again, you know, we're wild, you know, can't wait for Invincible Season 2 to drop. Absolutely. But yeah, man, it's cool that people can create something and, yeah, be able to hold on to it and, and own it. And that, uh, yeah, that could, it could still work without having to have a corporation totally just take it from them. Yeah. Which that, that, that's, it's a thing. I mean, you sign the contract, that's something you've got to be aware of for you creators out there. Yeah. When you make something and, okay, are you, you know, kind of giving it up short term for, for, for income, which, you know, that may be where you're at, or, you know, is it where you can hold on to it or maybe self publish, self produce, whatever the case may be. Absolutely. And we support that. Indeed. Um, what else? Have you been watching anything else? Uh, again, watch another episode of My Adventures with Superman. I finished my last episode of The Chosen on Peacock, season three. And now I'm like, man, and I know season four may be a while till that, yeah. till that drops, but it's still being it's still being crowdfunded on the uh, on the Angel Studios app. So okay, um, I definitely want to so support that, throw some dollars that way because again, I'm, I'm digging the show. I may I may restart restart it because like you know it's like like when you read the word, you can always go back. True. So I may restart the episode to see if there's some things that I missed, but. Um, yeah, that, you know, I finished Secret Invasion. You know, it was a... Bro. Yeah, the like, ending was like, I was like, oh, this, this is... This I was is, like... This is not great. I, yeah, we watched it last week as well. I'm just like, Lord. What? <laughs> they could have just dropped it all. They didn't have to quit luring me on for weeks. Just oh, let- well, our, 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 our uh, issue with Secret Invasion is... <laughs> Oh, but it may be the same, but different, different, different effects. I, I don't mind. I don't mind the week to week. I know, yeah. I know you wanted... Drop it all just now. Just drop it. I mean, but, because uh, it wasn't... To me, it wasn't spectacular. I agree. I 100% agree. I, was like, I saw that. I was like, dang, this is like, like knowing the original, like the original Secret Invasion, that yeah. series, how that went, because that involved everybody. Now, yeah. I know this was a show and budgets are limited, but the way they contained it so much to, you know, yeah, I love Sam Jackson contained it to just Nick Fury. Um, like when the scrolls invaded in, in the comics, they, yeah. they invaded, I mean, they infiltrated big time where, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, roadie and some and some some leaders like you had major characters that right. were where you just, you just didn't at any given time you didn't know. It's and a they, very they skill. That's a very scary skill to have. Yeah. Uh, to, yeah. And they could know. they could have played it up a they could have played it up a whole lot more. They even did this one part where a ship came down and all these older versions of characters 
were coming off the ship as is as if they had been captured decades before. That's terrible. And they were like, "Wait a minute, what? When did you get replaced?" And so you had people like, like Spider Woman, Jessica Carpenter, like, and it was like, "Yeah, but so it was, it was potential for some awesomeness." Basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was I was stoked when they originally mentioned it, but then I saw okay, it was going to be more self contained. I was like, okay, it's a, it's a Disney Plus show, so I know the budget's going to be much lower. But yeah, there was a lot of missed uh, opportunity and one of the things with them doing a a story like this the scrolls have always had a real strong tie to the fantastic four Mm -hmm. they literally debuted in in the fantastic four and the very first scrolls that came reed richards ends up using some device that messes with their minds and he makes them like turn themselves into cows Hmm. and so like there there are cows like just roaming somewhere in, in pastures and they never forget that and so <laughs> when secret invasion happens, Reed is one of the guys yeah. that they target. Yeah. Like they, they actually replaced Sue, his wife. She had been replaced with a scroll <laughs> and, and, and they, they had actually taken Reed and tortured him and Reed, Reed, he, he went off. Reed yeah. got pissed. They even, they blew up part of the Baxter being like, they were, they were, they wanted to like really show Reed what was what. Yeah. But, uh, and, and all that came about partially was because this group called you know the Illuminati, again, hey. what we saw a little bit of in uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, the, the, the Illuminati, the comics, right? Xavier, Reed Richards, Tony Stark, um, Black Bolt, Namor. Who am I missing? Were they in Loki, the Loki show, Illuminati? Uh, no, they were in Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. They're the ones that Scarlet kind of decimates. Okay. Um, but their 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 lineup's a little bit different. The only people who are really the there's there's they've, they've got Doctor Strange on there, they've got Black Bolt on there, and they've got Charles Xavier on there. But mm-hmm. they don't they don't have Iron Man on there. They don't have uh, Namor on there. I found somebody else I'm missing. But anyway, that group they they actually ended up going into space and actually confronting the Scrolls years prior, and they all get captured, and the Scrolls take them and study them. And that's how they kind of get access to their DNA. So when the scrolls do this invasion and they start, are, and they're able to replicate the actual powers of, of other heroes, mm-hmm. it was because Illuminati had screwed up years ago and gotten captured, and the scrolls figured out how to begin to replicate their powers and their, their things like that. So anyway, yeah, all that was hubris. left out. That yeah. was left out. It was just, here's a vial of things that you can become. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like yeah, yeah. So yeah, not not the. Uh, yeah, that was a. Uh, it felt like a, it was a missed opportunity with Secret Invasion. I felt I felt they they should have waited. They should have waited until they got Fantastic Four introduced. Yeah, and then done something with that. Now again, I know it's not going to be just like the comics, but that felt it does. It felt a little rushed. Yeah, man. I was like, what is okay? Hurry up next week. <laughs> like <laughs> this is boring. It's, it's okay, but it. I mean, you know. I don't know. Uh, it was funny though, um, but no, was, uh, I think my, I think my sons liked it. Uh, spoiler alert! Anybody that's listening, fast forward thirty seconds. Um, when Samuel Jackson is kissing the alien, oh, <laughs> I said, that's like passion. I'm like, man, Sam's going going for it. I said, I said three. I was like, look at her teeth. No, <laughs> she has like these alligator teeth. He's going at it with the kids. She is alien. His mouth would have been jacked up. I was <laughs> Yeah. I just thought that was funny. We were laughing. I was like, this is how we're ending things? This is this Sam, is what we're doing? Sam's wiping the blood away at the yeah. end. Yeah. I was like Yeah. I was like, all right. This is what they're giving us. Sam's seen a lot of things. <laughs> he has. He's been a lot of places <laughs> in his life and time. Kissed a lot of aliens and uh 
Oh, made man. some bad rhymes. Fantastic. Um, anything else? No, sir. Today's show is sponsored by Natural Hair the Movie by Grind of a Matter Films, available to stream on demand on Tubi and on Roku on demand for free. Please check it out and leave a review. Now let's jump back into the show. Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Back to the Future 2, 1989, written by Robert Zemeckis. Wait, co-written by Robert Zemeckis, directed by Robert Zemeckis. And uh, let's jump into this synopsis. In this zany sequel, time-traveling duo Marty McFly and Dr. Emmett Brown return from saving Marty's future son from disaster, only to discover their own time transformed. In this nightmarish version of Hill Valley, Marty's father has been murdered and Biff Tannen, Marty's nemesis, has profited. After uncovering the secret of Biff's success, a sports almanac from the future, Marty and the Doc embark on a quest to repair the space-time continuum. Back to the Future 2. And if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. spoilers. You've been forewarned. And we introduce in this cast... The cast of Back to the Future Part 2 features one Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly, Marty McFly Jr. and Marlene McFly, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd as the enigmatic Dr. Emmett Brown, Leah Thompson, Thompson as the enhanced Lorraine, Ooh-wee. Tom Wilson as Hello, <laughs> Biff Tannen, and Griff Tannen as well. Elizabeth Shue filling in and recasting the role of Jennifer, Marty's girlfriend, and often left behind. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's horrible. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, James Tolkien as um, um, Mr. Strickland, as well as George Weissman, also um, recasting one, um, um, what's that guy's name? Crispin. Crispin, there we go. Yeah, recasting Crispin to fulfill the role of George McFly. Uh, as well as uh, Billy Zane returning as match, J.J. Cohen as skinhead, Charles Fleischer as Terry. Those, of course, are Biff's kind of uh, thugs, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elijah Wood making yeah. his film debut as a, one of the boys in the video game store. And there are others as well, but those main ones. Um, also, yeah, there's also Flea making a cameo as well. Uh, I didn't even realize it was Flea. Beatles. I did when I saw yeah. him. I was like, I said, he looks extremely Flea. familiar. And why? But that that makeup man made you make change some people. Yes, sir. <laughs> I was like, why does he look so familiar? Yeah, I saw that guy. I was like, yo, that's Flea. And I was like, I looked at the year again. I was like, eighty nine. I was like, oh man. We didn't know the Chili Peppers were even were then. I'm like, okay, this guy's been because I've seen him make cameos in some other films. But I'm like, oh, he was he's been on his acting thing for a minute. Been around. Yes, sir. How'd you uh, watch this film in life and this time around? I watched this much later than when it initially debuted. I remember all the commercials and all the trailers for it, yeah. but I didn't see it in the theaters. I saw this, oh man, I I think I was out of college maybe. Oh, wow. I, saw, I mean, I saw this much, much later. Oh, I, I, no. Yeah. Oh, the I thrill may, is gone. <laughs> I, I may, honestly, I think I may have, yeah, I watched this, I was an adult. And I was out of college when I saw. Oh this. my god! Yeah, I did not. I did not see it. I'm sorry. On. No, it was fine. I still, I still enjoyed it when I yeah. saw it because it had that, you know. But yeah, I didn't see this for. 
You know what? I mean, now that I'm, this can't be my first time. I don't think this is my first time seeing it, but it. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't have because I know I know I'd seen it before. But yeah, it was it was wow. maybe during my Netflix binge when I was catching up on stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. and so it was we're talking we're talking like in the in the. 2000s yeah when i actually saw it it may have been man yeah okay how about yourself sir i watched it when it was on vhs when it came out when blockbuster was a thing what a difference blockbuster video and um yeah enjoyed it then um yeah enjoyed it then and then this time around what just watching on blu-ray and it was a good transfer yeah the transfers are solid yeah man looked good so yeah liked it just as much as i liked the first one um, uh, but as we talk about what we liked or didn't like, um, yeah, again, the transfer was good. Um, uh, in retrospect, like I, when I was younger, I think I liked part two better than the first one. And now as, uh, an older adult, I like the first one better mm-hmm. than the second one. And I liked, I think as a kid, I liked this the part two better it's just because of all the iconic stuff like the floating hoverboard and like now the car is like a flying car and just yeah. like all all that kind of iconic stuff the sizzle absolutely like oh what this is what the future looks like and i don't think there was another film that i can recall at from that you know when i was actually watching movies at that time where they tried to depict what the future could be i think this was the first time me being exposed to that concept yeah, that wasn't dark and dystopian because we had there are films that depict the future, such as Terminator, and I didn't watch it at the time. Exactly, that was what I was going to say is that films like Terminator yeah. and even um, uh, man, I when did T two come out? Like nineteen ninety two, Terminator two, maybe somewhere around there, maybe ninety two, yeah. ninety three. No, yeah, more like ninety two. Um, but uh, Blade Runner. Films yeah. I played, but again, those were we were way too young for for yeah. those at the time. But there was a dark dystopian. Dystopian. This is one of the few films that does show a a a, a bright kind of happy utopian future. You know, it's yeah, a utopian future, and that's what I do enjoy about. It. I was like, oh, this I wouldn't mind moving here. Self fitting clothes, self drying clothes, like all the stuff that's convenient, like you would expect. Yeah, truly. Which is yeah that 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 has a nice is a nice and the, everything's bright and, and vibrant mm-hmm. yeah but you still have people you know absolutely yeah I enjoyed Biffs, Biffs and Griffs of the world <laughs> Griffs um, yeah enjoyed like the like the like the cool little concepts they came up with like for example like a little pizza that's hydrated or dehydrated <laughs> then you got to hydrate it and like it doesn't like a few seconds like that is very convenient. I'll tell you what it does. It makes me slightly disappointed in our present because we're we're well we're well we know yeah. we're twenty twenty three now. It's like I feel like oh did we mess up somewhere? As if we should have lived up to the expectations of, of what this <laughs> this film projected us to be in nineteen eighty nine yeah. to twenty fifteen. It's like oh are we behind? It's I don't know if you ever get that kind of vibe. Even when I watch shows like Star Trek, I'm like oh t- I mean they're Star Trek's always funny because the technology they use like mm-hmm. oh some of it may seem advanced, but some like oh no this is this is no, that's not how this went. You know, but with this film, there's some things that's like, oh, some of the stuff is kind of accurate. Yeah. But sometimes you're like, oh, no, we're not we're not there yet. No. Or and some things are just not economical. Yeah. Or wasn't important enough for us to go after. That's true. Um, yeah. I, 
it reminds me of like Demolition Man. We covered Demolition Man. Like mm-hmm. They had their utopian thing, but at the same time, they had their underground people. You know, so it was like a certain class the of people cost. got to live a certain way. Yeah, we didn't see like again. That's what this movie reminds me of. At that, like that little section, that little utopian part in Hill Valley is like, oh, this is like Demolition Man. You know, like the cars kind of look the same. The little egg shaped, you know, edges, and then the cops are extra nice. Like we'll drop you off. Like the cops are doing their job. Where's the ghetto? Where's the hood? Right, right. Where, where, where the other side of the proverbial like, where floating is? tracks? Where is it? Um, but even though they kind of lived, uh, the McFlys kind of lived in the quote unquote the hood in a way. But it was Their still suburb. Yeah, but like the remember the cops were like, oh man, this, they didn't knock this place down. I don't remember if you heard them say they mm. said they should knock this place down where oh, they wow. lived at. Yeah, huh? I, I can't remember the name of the estates that they lived at. Uh, the new, these new estates, but at the bottom it said sucks. Like someone had spray painted that. It oh sucks. wow! <laughs> uh, but the, yeah, the cops were like, man, they didn't knock this place down. It's a place for like. I forgot what they were, but basically people that take drugs, but they had like their own futuristic names they for it. They had like, that term. Oh, they could, they got uh, toxed or, oh, yeah, there was some term because they thought that, yeah. they thought that Jennifer was intoxicated, but they, yeah. they had some term for it. Mm-hmm. I forget what they said, but yeah. Yeah, man, just dropped her off at the house and was like, hey, you have a good one. She got dropped off often. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, what else did you like or not like? Once again, dig. Uh, I dig the cast again. Michael J. Fox doing the the multiple roles. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's impressive. You know, the older Michael J. Fox, mm-hmm. the 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 kind of knucklehead junior mm-hmm. version of himself. Uh, when he comes out as as the again, I, that's one thing I always remember from the promos is like you know when it's so sorry Michael J. Fox and <laughs> Michael J. Fox and Michael J. Fox, and once he turns around, I'm like whoa, wait, wait, <laughs> what, what are we doing? <laughs> what? <laughs> the, they said he was pretty like when like it was like more like a close set when he had to initially kind of make his debut as yeah. um Marlene McFly. Marlene. But yeah, so um anyway, but uh but yeah, man, Doug the cast uh again, some of the the production design, some of the stuff they do it was yeah. again, not expecting him to go literally back to the past. Again, it's like, "Wait, what?" Like to them to go back to the present and then have to go back to the past again. It's like, man, you guys are destroying the, the timeline. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, I, I like how we get to see the first movie again from a different perspective. Yeah. Like, this is fantastic. And like, I was like, okay, I guess I really do like that first film. Yeah. Like, first film again, is, is there something like solid about it? Like this, this film I feel has expectations on it. You know, it has oh to, yeah, it's got this weight uh, upon it. It still was a solid, solid, solid ride. Uh, but then again, it, it ends in oh, we've got a well. Technically, the first film does too. The first film literally leads into a, a sequel that they didn't know was going to happen. Yeah, it was like a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. But yeah. it's like now it's like oh no, it's like you made too much money to joke around. Yeah, but now it just is a lead into the sequel. You know, it's just yeah. is what it is now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like joke or no, it's like you painted yourself into a corner. Congratulations. Yeah. There you go. Like it's reality. So, but um, yeah, man, this is a solid film. Again, the once again the pacing, you know, it is not a dull moment. Just boom, True. boom, boom. It just yeah, I gotta give him props on that. Like the pacing is is really good once again, and yeah, it's a it's some good one liners. Some there's some cool camera movements and cool transitions, mm-hmm. uh, some funny dialogue. Yeah, it's a solid it's a solid film. It's an enjoyable ride. One thing I didn't like is like some of the obvious brand placements. Like mm. just watching the film before listening to the commentary and just hearing, I was like, I mean, watching, I was like, this is that's a commercial. 
Oh yeah, that's yeah. That's one thing I meant to jot down was the product placement. I was like, this is this is going kind of crazy, but I mean, that's you know, when you're when you have one that's successful, everybody wants a piece of the second one. Well, because it started off a little bit in the first one, right, with the Texacos mm-hmm. and uh, some of the other brands, which were light. You know, it was right. light, and it actually made sense. Um, and then we were talking about the raisins and all that, like kind of weird placement stuff, but like. Uh, once that first one hit the market and everybody knows what it is, like, oh, you have to be in the movie now. But it's also like he's saying that you're going into the future, like, okay, yeah, we want our brand represented in the future. Yeah. That we're going to be so successful, we are going to be pioneering and still around. So it's almost like a um, subliminal kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much those placements were. That's like, I, like on the business side, I want to know, like, what does that deal look like? Right. Um, so one that was obvious is like when uh, when he when uh, Marty went to the the little place to eat, and then he's like, they were asking what he wants. He said, "All I, hey, all I want is a Pepsi," and then mm-hmm. this Pepsi like popped out of nowhere. I'm just like, that is a commercial. But Pepsi was in the mentioned multiple times in the first film as well. Yeah, oh. I want a Pepsi free because that's a kind of recall because he goes to the diner. I want a Pepsi free. If you want a Pepsi, pal, you got to pay, pay for it. it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> Nike with their self-lacing shoes. Oh, Which was, that was the coolest thing when you saw it. You're like, Absolutely. Wait, what? And then they actually had to make the shoe. So like those shoes like $10,000 or something like that. Like on the market. Really? Yeah, those shoes, they actually made them. Huh. <laughs> it uh, shouldn't cost that much to make. Uh, yeah, the, the um, what is it called? Like the third, is it the the, the seller, after seller market? What do, you, what do you call it? The the Reseller. I guess the resale market, kind of like with sneakers and like toys and things like that, that market makes it the demand for it. Um, but I, th- I also thought it was funny how they had like the jaw stuff in there. Like yeah. you just saw like sprinkled. And I was like, okay, Spielberg. Yep. Directed um, by Max Spielberg. <laughs> I was tempted to look up and see if that was one of his son's names just out of curiosity uh-huh. to see. Like, hmm. And then, like you said about the, you know, act like Michael J. Fox. You know, playing these different characters, I I enjoy that. Same thing, like fast forward going to listen. I mean, to watch Eddie Murphy and Doctor Doolittle, Prof- Nutty Professor. Well, yeah, n- yeah, Nutty Professor. Um, it was fun. It's fun to see an actor switch it up like that. Oh yeah, I have fun with some characters. Um, what commentary did you listen to this time around? The second one, really? Oh yeah, I went straight for the production one. Dang. I was like, I, I was gonna go with the Q and I was like, I learned you're not you're not getting me this time. Yeah. I, Oh, man, I've watched the Q and I listened to the Q and A way. I was like done in forty five minutes. Like they cut Suck it. No, I'm just kidding. Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> so how was it? Uh, it was it was solid. I mean, it's just Bob and it's some producer guy who barely chimes in. It's mainly just Bob. Zemeckis um, or Gail? Gail. It's uh-huh. Bob Gail, like just uh-huh. dropping dropping nuggets. Son of a gun. And, and then he's, he's going. He's talking like the whole time. So and um, is he commenting to what's actually on the screen? So yes. like. Oh, More traditional. Ah, uh, screwed myself over. Yes, you did. <laughs> so I didn't add. I was like, "Well, that we get two different perspectives." Like, yeah. Okay, well, just in case Reginald watches, I'm just going to go with this one. Yeah, yeah, good call. <laughs> yeah, mine was cut short. Though. I was like, well, that's it for the Q and A. Wow, so like 45 minutes in, I was like, "Nah, okay." <laughs> just turn the volume up. Just 1.5. Let it fly. Yeah. Let it ride, dude. That is a game changer. You've been talking about it for a while, but I didn't have a PlayStation. Appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> that's primarily what they used to. You're welcome. Now hurry up. Speed yeah. it up. Speed. I'm like, wow. This is like, like. yeah. Yeah, it's it, it really is a game changer. That 1.5 is no joke, Bruh So like, <laughs> wow. Even you can do it with the special features too, right? You can just, those go. You can still understand. Like, right, we're moving on through. 
Yeah, it makes it seem, yeah. Yeah, so I enjoyed that. Excellent, excellent. So, special features, did you watch any of the special features? I took them all in. Wow. Uh, it's, uh, it doesn't quite have as many as the first one, but it does have deleted scenes, tales from the future, time files. The physics of Back to the Future was kind of cool because they actually had a um, theoretical physicist who, yeah. who really is into Einstein's theories of relativity talking about how a lot of movies get time travel wrong, but yet he felt that Back to the Future got it right from the standpoint of... Mm. It's about energy. It's about the amount of energy that it takes. That with the right amount of energy, you could go into the future. He says it's easier to go into the future. He, say, he actually says that astronauts, when they're traveling into space, they actually are moving like a fraction of a second into the future. And they said even, he says even something in relation to like how the moon works, that they're kind of in the future when they're on the moon. It's, it was interesting. But he said, but the past, because that's the tougher one. He goes, to go back to the past, you have to generate a really strong amount of of power to be able to uh, split, kind of split the timeline because Einstein saw uh-huh. time flowing like a stream, like a, like a river, if you will. Um, anyway, I'm not going to try to explain all that, but it was a very interesting <laughs> special feature. Okay. There's also archival features such as the making of back to the future part two and making the trilogy chapter two, but behind the scenes that includes outtakes, production design, storyboarding and designing the DeLorean designing time travel, hoverboard tests, evolution of visual effects, shots and a photo gallery and the theatrical trailer as well. And of course the two aforementioned commentaries. Absolutely, yeah. That was good. I like that one. I think I watched some of the archival, it's like archival featurette, and then the making of, it's called Time Flies. I think that's the name of that Mm. featurette. So, enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, overall. Not too bad. Yes, sir. The music, was it done by Alan Silvestri again? I believe... Because I heard some of the same music, so I just assumed it was the same composer. I didn't officially look it up. But that music, it's uh, it's magical, man. It's like a cheat code. You know, when uh, like the certain keys, when you start hitting, it's like, oh, okay. It brings you right back to that, mm. to that nostalgic place. Yeah, Sylvester's back on it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's... Um, yeah, it just feels good. It's cheat code, man. He's one of the best, man. Like he's yeah. he's he's up there with with Williams. Like he's he has themes out there. We we don't hear his name as much as John Williams, but he's or got Hans some, Zimmerman. Well, Hans Zimmerman. Yeah, he's got some scores that are absolutely when you when you'd hear it cue, you'd be like, oh wait a minute, he's a, he's up there, man. He's one he's one of the top. He's definitely like I'd say top five. Okay, Alan. Uh, what type of style do you think they were trying to achieve in in this version of Back to the Future? Man, this one was about uh, stylistically. Mm-hmm. It, well, it <laughs> it kind of varies. It, it, feel, it this this you can you can feel the kind of increase in production value. True, because we're visiting three different times versus just two, and we're making that leap in, into the future. And so we we, we get more optical uh, more optical effects. We have flying vehicles. Mm-hmm. We have clothing doing all kinds of unique things. Mm-hmm. Um, Brighter, brighter colors in that regards. We have some some really cool camera movements. Not only when the when the when the DeLorean and other vehicles are flying, but even when Marge on the ground and the, the kind of improved stunts from you know hoverboard chase scenes. So we can feel like like there's there's more kinetic energy in, in some of those different scenes. And then we get the, like you mentioned before the reversed the reverse angles or the different perspective, perspective yeah. of 
the previous film. Mm-hmm. So it 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 really is a <laughs> just an overall. There's this more more mm-hmm. of everything. This this increase of of everything. Um, I feel like um, I feel in the first one, music played a bigger role. Where now music is kind of mentioned, yeah, but it's kind of takes more of a, takes more of a, of a back seat, and it's kind of right. Yeah, it's kind of less of Marty. It's still Marty's Marty's journey, but mm-hmm. Biff is 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 is, a, is a, such a big focal point as the villain. Yeah. Where it's like again, it does kind of have a Star Wars vibe. It's like okay, it's like Biff is kind of like getting revenge. Like the yeah. he's he's like the Empire Strikes Back. Like he's getting revenge and mm-hmm. trying to take things over. So the kind of stakes raised in, in that kind of way. What about you? What do you think about the style? I agree with what you said. You know, since they're going to these different time pieces that uh the style matches that so the utopian it's bright airy feels good you go into this dystopian, dystopian yeah sure. <laughs> like dystopian past wait no present. dystopian present yeah not future right sure yes yes a dystopian present yeah um yeah, yeah so it's literally dark you know and depressing and then we go back to the 50s which has that classic style that we saw in the first film. So it's like they're switching up the styles, you know. Uh, the directors and the producers have more experience, got a little, got some money. Let's make it happen. Um, from a thematic standpoint, I only have one theme, and he literally says it in the commentary, which is the misuse of time travel. Mm. I have a couple, uh, which is that theme is is, is dead on. Uh, I still say bullying is still in the mix. Biff oh, is yeah. still a bully. Yeah. Um, family is is still in, in the mix because Marty's still trying to save. Once again, trying to save his dad. Yeah. You know, in this regard, he's trying to bring his dad a future where or a present where his dad is alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think still coming of age because we don't see a final a finality in this film. But I think that hopefully, like Marty comes across as more materialistic. In yeah. this one, because he has once he gets to the future, he's like, "Am I rich?" He keeps asking that, <laughs> yeah. and then he even gets the notion in his head, which is what causes a lot of this trouble of getting that almanac and trying to kind of become rich by you know being able to predict these sports in this super thin almanac that couldn't possibly contain forty years worth of sports. He's like, come on, this is way too thin. Yeah, this is micro 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 print. Like, uh, but but I think he I think he is beginning to understand. Maybe I'm projecting that, but. Uh, he knows. He knows that he screwed. He even says he goes. It's all my fault. You know. Yes. Yes, it is, Marty. And it really is your fault. Um, uh, shortcuts, because again, he tries to take it, and then of course Biff takes the uh, old Biff takes yeah. the shortcut, gives the young ramps. <laughs> gives the since he looks like me, I don't see the resemblance. <laughs> you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I have a theme of being left behind for one. Jennifer, shout out. Yeah. And uh, and then a lot of Western foreshadowing yeah a lot of foreshadowing to the uh try to to the uh trifecta to the to the upcoming film that things yeah. that, that that are going to pay off when we watch part three absolutely and it makes sense why i would have been one film it's like oh okay uh marty mcfly hasn't really reached his arc all the way you know in his character development mm-hmm. uh, it's like oh okay i get it um do you have any Favorite scenes or memorable scenes? 
yeah, so once again, uh, the the hoverboard, initial hoverboard. Oh, yeah. Mattel. It's Mattel, right? Yeah, <laughs> Mattel hoverboard. When when he, once again, called back to the first film, he has to borrow it from a kid, pull, pulls the kid off of their board and say, I kind of borrow your hoverboard? Yeah. It's just that whole initial chase. I mean, it's just, those boards became pretty, that view of that became pretty, without having seen the film, yeah. there was just something about seeing that and you're like, Wow, that's really, really cool to yeah. see. And I, I felt think, like it was real. I was like, "Is this real? Like, I, this a, is this a thing?" Exactly. So people, bad. people wanted those things. Kids wanted those things so bad. There have been so many accidents. Kids, I'm a boy. Absolutely. Oh man, how about you? I like when um, when they throw McFly's son over the side of the bar, and then uh, Marty stands up like as if he's him when he stands up he has like this confidence and then griff looks like like he's like stunned a little bit like he's not the scary looking kid oh yeah anymore he's like, <laughs> the way that that car- that actor that actor is solid dude tom wilson man yes. man the way that he can like play confused and dumb and then switch it up and be a smart bully i like this guy you know he has his chops man uh but man when he d- plays dumb <laughs> The, just the looks that he like of confusion as these different characters it's different for each one and it's like man this is good but what's also fascinating though is that how he's 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 as he's as he's gotten older he's he's savvy oh yeah yeah because and he, and he's as always gramps. he's always running a con you know because <laughs> even he, he uses that same line where he says I just put the second the second coat, you know, on your on your vehicle. He was telling his grandson that. Yeah. But he used that same line at the end of the first Back to the Future, right? When he was telling George, "Oh, I just put the second coat on your on your vehicle." Now, don't you try to pull a fast one on me, Biff? <laughs> but he's, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. he's kind of like playing, playing, playing dumb. But then, but then we noticed that he he sees that DeLorean take off, and wait a minute, what's what's going he's on? He's always a for like watching out for things. Yeah, like man, he's like he seems dumb, but he he be noticing things. I be seeing some things. I be seeing some things. <laughs> so okay. Uh, speaking of him, I like the scene where we get the history of Biff. Oh like, yeah, when we at his casino, the little plot points for us. Yeah, like how brings they shot us up that. to speed. I'm like, oh, it's a nice little exposition piece. Yeah, like, man, and then the you know, the, you know, the women that he's met, like, oh man, then just like the the straight creepiness of him marrying his wife and like the uh. kiss he puts on her, and she's clearly not into. Him. I'm like, okay. Like, why is this part of the history? Like, everybody can see this is this guy is forcing himself on this woman. Still to this someone day, even at the wedding. Yeah. yeah, someone help her, please. Yeah, still got rape vibes. Wow, man, for real. <laughs> uh, one of the memorable scenes is just uh, when Marty McFly, when he's doing some kind of, I don't know what kind of situation he's doing at his job, and the guy, uh, I guess it's his manager, supervisor, what is trying to get him to do some kind of scam. And then he's, what are, what are you, chicken? And like that's just like the shortcut to get Marty McFly to do anything. Just oh, yeah. manipulate, even at his older age. <laughs> what are you, chicken? And he's like, you know what, I'm going to do it. He takes out the debit card, swipes it, or whatever card it was. <laughs> and then, as soon as he does it, his, the what boss a- comes in, you're fired. And then he just fires it. Oh, you're sending all these facts across the house. Read, read my facts, man. His, his reaction is, I got in one of my quotes. Like, I'm fired. No, <laughs> the way he says it, I was dying. I was like, this is why is this so funny? This man losing his employment. He's like, oh no, I'm fired. There's <laughs> something about the way he sees, the way he plays that is yeah. just. 
it's just over the top. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you are. But, yeah. it, but, it, but it's all around him. Like, all these, like, why do you have so many fax machines? You're fired. And the text is on the screen, too. It's like, wow. And this and this guy, it feels like a setup. Because yeah, absolutely. Because like they're monitoring a, your call. It's like they're in the same room. It looks like they're in the same room. The uh, both of the managers, they feel like they're in the same room. CEO and the manager. Like they were trying. The Marty, this is a sting, man. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's rough. I'm fired now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's a yeah. That's a this Marty's got it rough. He's a. So so in addition to that, another another scene that uh, that that I thought was pretty funny was when when Marty they go back to the present. And mm-hmm. there, and it's just again dystopian. Everything's dilapidated. He gets back to his house. Mm-hmm. He tries to open the gate. And he's like, you know, it's so, locked. Yeah, so it's an actual die. bolt on the on the gate. Exactly. Like, he's surprised. Like, what the heck? Right. He jumps over the gate, goes into the window, falls on the floor, and he's in some girl's room. Yeah, with Michael Jackson posters and everything all around. And, he's and this like, is a black family, by the way. Yes, the only one we really see in I think both films. Yeah, besides entertainment. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Black to the future. Like, what, 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 like, wait, you know, like, where, where are the black folks? <laughs> yeah. Few, few and far between. Nonetheless. So, but there's a black daddy comes in. He's got a bat because his daughter is, is yelling. You know, the young teenage daughter is yelling. And he's, and Mario's like, no, it's just a mistake. And he's like, you right, you made a mistake. And he's, he's swinging you that bat. The, how, about, how about the lines that he got? You sucker. Oh, man. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> Who wrote this? Semenkis, did you write these lines? Oh, <laughs> Gail, Bob Gale, was this you? Who, anyway. You better Gale. run, sucker. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Jive turkey. <laughs> you might as well throw that in there. Right. We will not be terrorized. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, But what I do like about, because I had that as part of like uh, memorable scenes, is that I noticed that Michael Jackson is like he had like you said the posters on the wall uh, when he went to the the eighties uh, cafe remember eighties cafe yeah you you see the um, the light skin Michael Jackson <laughs> on the on the actual TV that's floating around and it's Michael Jackson like talking I guess it's like a CGI version of Michael oh, that was Jackson. an actor that was an actor who was like an impersonator uh, yeah but who? it's his likeness it's Michael Jackson's likeness. Yeah, well, as best yeah, like I could, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you had Reagan. I think that was Ronald Reagan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they, they had those the guys. Max Hedrum style. And then, like, while that's floating around, you got Michael Jackson actually playing. Beating. Yeah, so I was like, oh, man. Which is pretty, pretty rare that you don't often hear Michael's music playing in, in movies like that. Absolutely, you know, and then... Um, and then, of course, his, his poster was in that in that young girl's well, room. So here's what, what I got in Spielberg? the commentary. Is it a Spielberg thing? Uh, no, it's it's a it's a uh, Michael Jackson. He loved the first Back to the Future, uh-huh. and so they were able to approach him. He was more than happy to license the song, and and so they kind of you know they obviously you know put the memorabilia up in that room. Yeah, but he he loved the first film so much. Interesting. Wasn't there like some um, when we covered Goonies? Wasn't there like a Michael Jackson? Yeah, he uh, came to the set. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, because he would be tied with Spielberg also from ET. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff for ET. So. That's why I just assumed it was a Spielberg. Oh, thing. maybe that was maybe that was how they learned about it. Probably or had maybe, their relationship there. Yeah, maybe he told you know maybe Spielberg invited him out or whatever, and mm-hmm. but they found that out, and so yeah, so he was more than happy to. And then the Pepsi connection. Oh, hot! <laughs> <laughs> I'm ahead, ahead. Oh, sorry, no, that, 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 that's that's, bad. that's, that's bad burns. Yeah, bad burns. Uh, nonetheless, what uh, other 
memorable scenes you have? Um, I like the old man in the car with uh, got Biff and Gramps in the car, and he's trying to tell him like, "No, listen, butthead. Like this is what you need to." He's like, I, you know, because he, uh, the young Biff is just like he doesn't really care. He's just throwing things around. He's not really paying attention. But Gramps is like, no. You know, kind of pay attention, and he kind of sh- walks him through the whole situation of how this almanac is going to help you become wealthy, and yeah. tells him don't ever le- leave it, l- leave it laying around. Yeah, and that at some point in time, yeah, some young punk kid and some wide-eyed <laughs> person professing to be a doctor, yeah, are gonna. And of course, I'm looking at this this, this, this key art of Doc Brown, always yeah. wide-eyed. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's that's really accurate. <laughs> gonna come around asking about you know when they do kill him yeah like wow like this guy's thought it through yeah and that shot what makes it so cool is that it's the same actor you know playing these different characters and it's like a one shot with both of them in the frame like this is well done that's the thing man when I think about all those scenes like it's like it's it's seamless yeah they actually this is a bit of trivia but they actually had um LucasArts or, or ILM ILM they mm-hmm. actually had them create a special camera mm-hmm. for for those shots that that would that was we had a, it was on a robotic arm that would move uh-huh. so they could which is nowadays is like you know this is all the time David Fincher uses a lot motion control arm uh, this is another day at the office these days but uh, it, it stands on the shoulders of Back to the Future absolutely um, and then there was one shot of the DeLorean coming out of the sky and then it's, it's landing on the dystopian 1985 is coming out the sky and is landing in a one shot. Mm. And then like, so um, how they did that, I don't know if this might be just be, you know, filmmaking or whatever trivia, but anyhow, how they did that was it was a CGI. No, no, it was a miniature. miniature. It was a miniature car coming out of the sky. And then the lamppost like the cuts lamppost it. Is, yeah. That's the transition. Because I, in my brain, when I seen that, I was like, that's well done. Like I didn't even, I couldn't figure out how they did that. Mm. Like, how did they do that? That's a real car. What's going on here? And then the lampposts was the kind of cover for it. Yeah. But that was a good shot. They're crafty. They're very crafty. Speaking of DeLorean, I I like the scene where Biff has Marty on the roof and is ready to shoot him, ready to bust a cap in him. They're on top of the casino. Yeah. And Marty just jumps off and Biff's looking around in confusion and all of a sudden, we just see the the DeLorean. You see Marty's head reemerge, yeah. And he's sitting there with his arms crossed, yeah. And he's on top of the hood of the, of the DeLorean. I'm like, yeah, that's Here. the that's the money shot right there. Absolutely. I'm like, and but Michael Jake gets quite a few of those. I know it's like throughout the film, like he gets some really cool money shots. But that one, I was like, that's that's awesome. <laughs> and that's all I had for like some of my favorite scenes or memorable scenes. Okay, I've got uh, three more. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they go back to the past, back to 1955, mm-hmm. and Doc's like, okay, uh, change your clothes and wear something inconspicuous. <laughs> and as he's saying that, Marty, like the, 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 the scene kind of cuts, or maybe does a wipe, yeah. and Marty is sliding onto into the on, frame, into the frame <laughs> and he's got this black leather jacket and this black fedora and some black shades, and walkie-talkie, hey, Doc, I'm here. It's like... Detectives, not Marty. exactly the most inconspicuous. You look suspicious. <laughs> yeah, it was the opposite. You made yourself look suspicious, but it's but Doc's voiceover is still trailing as Marty is sliding in the frame. Inconspicuous. Uh, that's a good transition. Yeah, it's it's really solid, but uh, it's now I gotta look back over that. It, it's a it's a funny one. Um, then like right into that leads to him seeing Biff 
coming out of his house, arguing with his grandmother, right. walking down the sidewalk, and these kids are playing with the ball. And it's just let you know how much of a jerk Biff is. Dude. Like, he grabs the kid's ball, and they're like, give us our ball, give us our ball. Oh, you want this ball? You want this ball? And he takes it, throws it on a on a roof where the kids clearly can't get it. Go, go, get it yourself. I'm like, oh, man. He's rough, man. Even leaving out the house with his grandma or whatever that's, like, yelling at him. He's like, yo, bag. Like, dang, man, he does not care. But you can kind of see, based on how his grandma's talking to him, like, okay, this, this guy's probably growing up without his actual parents. Yeah. And maybe, you know, if his grandma always talks to him like that, this guy's bitter. He's yeah. got a kind of a crappy home life, but... Yeah, doesn't doesn't excuse what he's done, but it's like oh, you, you maybe <laughs> but you can understand, understand why. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, okay. Uh, and then lastly, just um, when Marty is is on the hoverboard, hanging on the back of the vehicle, and, and kind of having it out with Biff in the tunnel that goes on forever uh, towards the end of the film, and and they're trying to, of course, he's trying to get the almanac, and he just does this this flip from the yeah. driver's side to the passenger side and grabs the almanac. I'm like oh, that was cool. That was good. Yeah, so that was that was memorable. That's when they like to hear Yeah, yeah, we get the rise. Like, the reprise. Ah, cheat code. Yes, sir. All right. Tropes. I got a couple. Go for it. Like when they're back in 1955, them spiking the punch. Mm, that's a good one. That is a good one. Um, one I just thought of in relation to that is dropping dropping sandbags from the ceiling in the theater Bro. onto your onto your nemesis. So cartoonish. I was like, if that happened in real life, you'd be dead. Oh, Those man. are like 50 pounds on your head. Crunch, crunch, <laughs> crunch. You're dead. And then dropped him again the second yeah, time. Yeah, murder. Blood force trauma. <laughs> Bludgeon to death. Uncle Joey, I'm, I'm coming for a permanent stay. Uh, <laughs> Marty May oh, newspaper heading Marty McFly man <laughs> suspicious man in black hat and in black jacket uh, murders three high school seniors <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, I didn't write down let's see uh, once again saying the name of the movie in the movie they do that yeah uh, last minute rescues yeah, I didn't take down too many new tropes because they, they kind of overcame quite a few of them from the previous ones. Yeah. Uh, I'll say play, one actor playing multiple characters. Okay. Because that's, yeah, we've seen that multiple times. True. Uh, my other one I had was just like uh, a movie kind of revealing what's going to happen in the movie later. So we see um, Biff, he's in a hot tub with some girls, even though he's married. Um, and... <laughs> And then uh, he's watching a Western and then the guy in the, in the Western gets shot and we think he's dead. But then he pulls out, he has his metal thing covering his chest. And then, oh man, a metal plate or bulletproof vest or whatever he said, mm. you know? So I was like, huh, why are they showing us this? And then at the end of the movie, we realize, oh, we're going, we're going to the West. So apparently this, this little scene is going to pay off. Uh-huh. I'll say the, um, the bad guy gets more power and, is and forces himself on the the, the beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rapey. Most definitely rapey. Um, do you have any quotes? I have a few quotes. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is Doc Brown. The justice system in the future moves very swiftly now that they've now now that they've abolished all lawyers. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. that the truth? Uh, when uh, it, what's the new uh, Biff? It's not Biff. What's his Griff? Griff. When he's talking to Grams, he's like, "Hey, Grams, what am I paying you for?" <laughs> it's like 
He's pretty rough on his granddad. <laughs> It's in the fa- again. It's a, it's, it's a cycle of abuse. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a, uh, a cycle of abuse. Um, oh, so this is uh, future older Marty. Oh boy, oh boy, mom, you sure know how to hydrate a pizza. <laughs> yeah, that. Was- <laughs> I was like, it's not that it took that much effort, but yeah. it's just so funny. Like things have changed so much. You really know how to hydrate a pizza. Um. I like how uh, Martin McFly, he was like, I, I can't lose. He was talking about when he bought that uh, almanac. It was like right after that. He just said, I don't know why that kind of stood out to me. I mentioned this line earlier, but it's just so funny. And Marty getting fired. Oh, no, I'm fired. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it gets me every time, man. It gets me every time. <laughs> it's, so, it's so over the top and the facts is everywhere. It's on the screen. Like, yeah, this is. When uh, we go to the dystopian present and Marty McFly goes to read a newspaper, it turns out that it's his principal's house. Uh, I forgot the name. Principal Strickland. Strickland. I think it's Strickland. Oh, well, anyhow, the principal has a shotgun aimed at Marty McFly. He's like, oh, you're the guy that's been taking my newspapers. But anyhow, in that scene, uh, <laughs> I guess these are students come by his house with like <laughs> automatic weapons and they're like blasting up his house. Hey, Strickland. And then Strickland gets back up and he shoots a shotgun at him. Eat lead, slackers. <laughs> Still calling like, man, like who is not a, sl- these guys are rolling with automatics. Like, they're doing the most. Like, what, what do you not consider a slacker? <laughs> we had a, uh, a a teacher in high school who used to, what do you used to call us? Um, oh, skippers. What's wrong, Reginald? You, uh, Reggie, you've been skipping? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> You're a skipper? <laughs> <laughs> That's wild, man. That's wild. Uh, so this is when they're, like, Doc Brown talks about dismantling the time machine. He says, yeah. Now I'll devote myself to studying the other great mystery of the universe. Women. <laughs> That'll pay off in the future. Uh, <laughs> Good luck with that, Doc. You might be studying for a while. So. Yes. Um, when Biff and uh, his new wife, or Marty McFly's mom, when they're arguing, and he's and Biff is like giving all the reasons why she won't leave him because he's taking care of this, taking care of that, and if you do this, I'm taking your kids off this. And then she's like, all right, Biff. You win. I'll stay. Mm. Dang. She's just defeated. Defeated. Man. Alki too, man. She's prone. She's prone to hit that sauce when (laughs) things ain't going well. We've seen it in the previous present. Yeah, absolutely. man. The previous present. The previous present. It's kind of, we've only seen one present where she wasn't, well, she was probably still on the sauce, but just kind of more happier. She was a functioning, she's a functional alcoholic. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. When when it's not going well, she's going to drink. You know, if she's yeah. happy. Maybe it would just be some wine. Yeah, just getting a little tipsy. Uh, so speaking of Strickland, in that in that uh, dystopian present, and when he was talking to Marty, he was like, "You have three seconds to get off my porch with your nuts intact." Dang! I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> to take it easy, Strickland. Take it easy. Easy can't be in this in this dystopian present. Um, in that same era that they're in. Uh, uh, Marty McFly and Doc have come back together to figure out what the heck is going on and Doc has started doing research uh, about what happened and then um, Marty McFly is like it's like it, it's like we're in hell Doc and then he said no it, he likes it no Hill Valley but I can't imagine hell being much worse 
<laughs> just like <laughs> the way he delivers his lines is great, man. It yeah. makes you laugh for real. Like uh, Christopher Lloyd just yeah, he, he 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 nails it all the time. Uh, so this is when they're back in 1955, and Marty has gone up to a knocked out Biff after his dad has knocked him out. He's like, "Everybody's calm down. I know CPR." And he, and he of course gets the almanac and takes off. And one of the bystanders standing there is like. Hey, he just took that guy's wallet. <laughs> I think he took his wallet. I think he took his wallet. Oh, that dude was serious about For that. Real. Um, when we're in that dystopian present, and Marty McFly is about to jump off the roof, uh, Biff is just like, um, "Go ahead and jump. Yeah, suicide. That'll be nice and neat." Mm. Uh, and then Marty McFly, well, what if I don't? And then Biff's like, "Lead poisoning." Ooh, <laughs> pulls out the gun. That's one of his uh, best quips. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is, um, again, Marty and Doc have gotten back in the DeLorean. Biff is, is, is driving off. He's got, his, got the almanac still. And Marty's like, let's, let's, uh, let's land on top of him and cripple his vehicle. Mm-hmm. And Doc says, Marty, he's in a 46 Ford. We're in a DeLorean. He'll tear through us like 10. <laughs> but he's very matter of fact about yeah. it. And it's like, oh, yeah. That, uh, those cars... Made back, back in the day, those things were tough. Um, when when um, uh, 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 Doc, Doc, they left Jennifer, right? They left her. Of course they in, did. <laughs> that's the theme. <laughs> Leave so, that's leaving. a theme within itself. Is a is a, <laughs> a, a side movie. Leaving Jennifer. Leaving Jennifer. <laughs> um, uh, and Marty's like, "Hey, we left Jennifer at the uh, at the house or whatever." Don't worry, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> we finish our mission we'll have no idea of this horrible place <laughs> like, Einstein gets left too at one point he's like well, what about Einstein talk it's okay Marty we'll go here and do this he'll, he'll, he'll never know <laughs> yeah hey, Doc you, you, you. he wanted to get the hell out of there he was like this horrible place that's uh, feels like hell to me too Marty <laughs> Marty So, so again, he's so dramatic. Man. Oh, everything is, and just a look again. He still does those those crazy looks. <laughs> so those looks. So one scene when uh, at the very beginning of the movie, and they're in the flying car. Mm-hmm. His girlfriend is asking about the future. Do we have kids? Oh my god! Da, 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 da. And then <laughs> dog is looking at her like she didn't shut up. Like <laughs> for real. Please shut. And finally, he, he looks over his glasses. He puts that thing on her. <laughs> yeah, just puts it like oh. <laughs> he like while she's asking his questions, he's like more alert. He's like, like, why is she talking? You're so too much? curious. He's like, oh, you got to yeah. shut it down. Shut it down. Yeah. Um. So the the last quote I have is is this is Biff. Once again, right after after he's gotten the the almanac taken from him, and then he ends up crashing to the back of, you guessed it, a manure truck. Yeah. And he just you know falls all over. And he's like, manure. I hate manure. Yeah. <laughs> And it's in his mouth this time. Oh man, that just that got me. I'm like, yes, yeah, what you get. Just I don't know how you have the luck of running into crap trucks, but man. That's all for you, buddy. After he had just gotten his vehicle yeah. cleaned out. And you know that smell's gonna linger. That's gross. Yeah, oh man. Now he's got a double helping. Like his car. You might have to sell that one, buddy. Because yeah. it may never be the same again. Yeah. I hate manure. Oh. <laughs> uh in that same sequence, we um Marty is talking to Doc on the headset, and he's like, "I lost him. I lost the. I lost the almanac. He's gone. I blew it, Doc. I blew it. I blew it, Doc. I blew it." 
he just like so hard on himself. <laughs> and Doc was like, Marty, the entire future's depending on you finding that book. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> he like drilling. It was like no time for pity. Get yeah. back on it. Get back on it, Marty. We gotta get the hell out of here, Marty. <laughs> the end. I, I blew it, Doc. I blew it, Marty. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, that's all I have for for quotes. Oh man! Do you have any questions for our filmmakers? Ah, uh, yeah, just just one. What kind of dummies leaves an unconscious woman in an alley? I, I don't know. That's just terrible. Doc? Yeah, I'm like, come on, dude. Like, you could have, I don't know, just left her in the car, at least. Like, yeah. that would have been the safe place forward. Like, it's okay. Oh, this girl's taking a nap in the vehicle. Mm -hmm. She's still safe. Yeah. Because she's out. I mean, right? She's out. She's asleep. Why, that's, why, that's pretty why, horrible. Why couldn't he have just left her in the vehicle? Because Marty was in a different location. He, was, he had to go and meet and replace his, his son. So why couldn't Doc have just left her in the car? Yeah, I guess. Well, I don't think do they, they do they end up covering up the DeLorean? I don't know. I thought they in just the, left it in the alley. Yeah, I'm like okay. At least if you was in the vehicle, she could have just. I don't know, but uh, yeah, and the car kind of fits in in the future. So yeah, but I mean, she still got at least they the police. I don't know why were the policewomen so. It's not a question. Why were the policewomen so attractive? Like they looked like they were like models, even their uniforms oh, were cut. Wait. I was like, why are these? Police women so attractive, and their and their suits were designed to be attractive. They had like these, I don't know, they they almost look like dancers. Yeah, I, mean, I was like, what's going on? Here? At least serve a different purpose in the future. I was like, I don't know what's going on, here. but it, it was their 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 costume design was interesting. It felt like there was more backstory there as to why why was that the way that was. That's funny. Um, yeah, you're right though. They should have left her in the car. Just the window slightly cracked. Yeah. Um and the yeah, that yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um but then if you leave in a car, the police can't take her to the house. Um which I mean served no purpose cuz that's just they had to we uh, like they didn't I mean they didn't need to go to the house. Well, that's when the car gets stolen. Exactly. So, so I mean, if they had just left her in the car, car wouldn't have gotten stolen. And we have no Almanac, um Oh no, Biff still would have. Yeah, Biff would have gotten the almanac, but he would have had he would have had a way to get. He wouldn't have got access to the car because they would have they would have stopped that one part and they would have gone back to the present. He would just have an almanac in the future. Yeah, and his, in his was present. always there anyway. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. So, so it's Doc's fault. Yeah, there you go. Um, way to go, Doc Brown. And uh, again, we have no movie. Is is she's putting the alley for the plot? Yeah, and honestly, like she wasn't ever supposed to be in the first place. She was part of the joke at the end of the first movie. Yeah. So they had to have her there. Yeah. So yeah, that was so knocking around just became a, a thing so they could move the plot along. It was it was kind of sad when Doc was like uh, when uh, Marty was asking, like, so what are we gonna do with Jennifer? He's like, oh, don't worry about her. She's not essential to our plan. I was like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> he literally says this. I'm like, man. Like, but he said that at first that she can come along, but when we finally get in the car and we're rolling around, he tells us she's not essential. But is there is there a, a timeline that still exists where she's like just been left there? Like where's where is it? No, well they, they at no. least they they took her back to the dystopian present and left yeah. her and left her on the front porch. Yeah, who was who do you know who was living there? We, yeah. That's another thing. It's like man, man that was that's what it makes it even more dangerous. Like gangs, I don't know who knows. Like that's a it's bad business. It's very bad. That's just bad hu human, humaning, 
So I think um, with those guys, and that I think that's a, a, a thing of like the time is like you wouldn't now write a script and purposely have a woman that you're just dropping off random places as an object. You're knocking out and then dropping off. Yeah. Like unconsciously <laughs> dropping off. Not just, hey, you wait behind. Right. Like, no, we're going to make you totally defenseless and, and leave you somewhere. Yeah, that's not happening. That's, in, that's in, irresponsible. In a neighborhood where people are shooting at principals. It's irresponsible. Uh, yikes. Yeah. Sorry about that. So make us in them writing this. Mm. Sorry about that. They should have had somebody consult them a little bit. At least a lady. Canceled to the future. Yeah. <laughs> Your future's canceled. <laughs> Slackers. <laughs> um Trivia. What you got for trivia? All right. Okay. Um I mentioned about uh, Flea being Needles, the character Needles. Um there were so uh Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale both saw that both uh, Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox got raises to do part three of Back to the Future. And they said they thought that they should get raises as well. And so Zemeckis wasn't going to show up on the first day of shooting. Of part three? Mm-hmm. Until mm-hmm. They, they got a better deal. But the studio said, no, you guys can get the same deal that you got for doing two. Gangster. And so uh, Zemeckis' representative, or his, maybe it was his lawyer, told him not to show up on the first day of shooting. Which is the first, first time he'd ever gotten that kind of advice. Dang. But then um, Southern Studio exec got called, and for whatever reason, when he got that call, like Bob, Bob then got a call from his lawyer said, "No, you need to go ahead and show up." Because apparently, <laughs> like this person may have had potentially mob connections, and uh, yeah, yeah, that was that one call was enough to. You can show up if you don't. You can show up if you're not, but your knees gonna take those. You may not show up anywhere anymore. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, that was an interesting. If you want to go there, I thought we were friends, Bob. I thought we were friends. Mm. This how you treat your friends? Mm. (laughs) Oh, what did I do? Where's my episode? Um. Oh, so he did. So they didn't get a race. Is that what you're saying? No. Good for them. You know what? That's good because the studio they agreed to a deal to do part one. For thirty-five million, and then to do part two for thirty-five million, and the studio agreed to both of those deals at once because the idea, how they pitched it, was basically instead of it being one long movie, let's cut it, and instead of one film with a large budget, it could be two films with a, a reasonable budget as part one, and the studio agreed to that. It's like either y'all are geniuses or an idiot, you know, basically. <laughs> And so there, the studio went out on a limb to to greenlight these budgets, and so to ask for more money after you've already agreed to the certain amounts, like, huh? Well, they paid the actors more money. They they increased the pay for whatever. I guess they had budget for them. They they pay them more. So that's so probably oh, why so they, they were, got more in part three than part two. Yeah, uh-huh. that's why they were like, okay, you got extra money to dole out. Hey, this is a quite a bit of work. This whole time travel thing. Yeah. So. What about us? So it was based on the actors getting more money. They want yeah, more money. Because, yeah, Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox got paid more to do part three. Interesting. So they were like, all right, what about what about us? They took all the money. Yeah, yeah it would be interesting to see more of like what was going on in the deal. Or did some asking them, I don't know, did they already have their deal locked up or maybe the actors weren't locked up for part three? I don't know. I don't know. They, they seem to have shot everything in fairly close succession. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, 
So along with money, Crispin asked for too much money. For they didn't say the amount in the commentary I listened to. They didn't say the amount. They said he had some crazy demands for an yeah. actor at his caliber and with his given role in the film because his role was going to be well, I assume it was going to be small, but they ended up writing him dead because yeah. of uh. So he asked for too much money. Uh, so they ended up. So he ended up just being a tombstone. I think he, they had his picture in the newspaper and recast. Yeah. With a guy mainly being shown upside down. To and that was well done. That could be for filmmaking, but just that was well done because you couldn't really tell with him being upside down. I, I thought it was Crispin. So did I. I wouldn't have known until they until they said it. I, I would not have would not have recognized. Honestly, even with Elizabeth Shue, who was recast mm-hmm. for the other actress uh, who had left the business because her, her mother had gotten really sick. Mm-hmm. So she was out of the business. But I had to actually go and look. I was like, was that Elizabeth Shue in the first film? Like, I... I yeah, I had to actually go and look. I'm like, but nah, she looked close enough to. And plus, they shot it in a way where it was like neck. It was the same exact shot. Uh, my wife, she watched both of them with me. She didn't catch it, but I already know Elizabeth Shue, and um, I was a fan of hers from uh, Avengers of Babysitting. Absolutely, and so because of that, I was like, that's not her. Mm. You know, I was like, that's not. Her. I knew it was Elizabeth I Shue. Had a little, I had a I crush like, on Elizabeth Shue during the Avengers of Babysitting. Hey, Elizabeth Shue's still fun. Got it going on. Hey. And so, anyhow, so I, that that was my reason. I was like, hmm, hello, <laughs> part two. <laughs> upgrades. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's getting upgrades. Uh, so fake asphalt and wires um, is how they did the the self-lacing Nike shoes. So there was, they had face at, fake asphalt and they had crew underneath it with wires and they just pulled, they just pulled the shoes tight. That's funny. Zip, zip, zip. I'm like, <laughs> wow, it looks so high tech and cool, but it's just wires. The things you can do with strings. Yes, sir. Uh, one of my last things is that, um, the theater marquee, those are like, I guess, gags that they, like Spielberg and all those, they kind of like, just kind of do every time. Uh, so it was interesting to kind of like them kind of poke fun at sequels. So they was like Jaws 19 or Jaws 10 or whatever sequel they were on. So it was cool just to see them like kind of poke fun at their own sequels because they didn't think they were going to make a sequel. And so that big digital shark that comes out of Michael J. He's like, ah, and like yeah. kind of bites on him. In a deleted scene afterwards, he says, ah, the shark still looks fake. Oh, I saw that though. Yeah. In the actual movie, he says that. Oh, does he? Yeah. Because when I watch it again, I, 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 I miss it every time, apparently, yeah. somehow. But He said, yeah, it still looks fake. Mm. Like, that was in the actual movie. I should have used that as a quote. Ah, um, okay. I thought that, okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, what else? Oh, so the toy company Mattel was actually really pissed because of one of the behind-the-scenes, Bob Zemeckis actually said that the hoverboards were a real thing, but that yes. the parents... That the companies weren't releasing them because the parents, some parent board was was keeping them from being released. He said it's so straight face too when yeah. it like I was like, oh really? Yeah, it was a small little smirk that kind yeah. of came about, but yeah. But he said that, and Mattel got flooded with hundreds of calls, of course, and letters from kids asking about hoverboards, and even both Bob's got letters about the hoverboards, all because the Mecca's made that <laughs> comment. But they said Mattel was pissed about it. That's fantastic. Uh, last two trivia uh, so the three musketeers and the four musketeers were big film influences for both um, Bob Glover no it's not his, uh, Gail Gail Bob mm-hmm. Gail and Bob Zemeckis um, and has impact on uh, these films as well uh-huh. uh, that's all I have uh, and, and lastly of course Back to the Future 2 and 3 were shot back to back 
Now it's time for filmmaker tips. Never say what you won't do. Uh, one of the Bob said he would never do a movie depicting the future. Or uh, yeah, he doesn't like movies about the futures or aliens. Yeah. Uh, switch up the shots so they wonder how you did it. So that's what they kept doing with the hoverboards. They had different kinds of shots, so all of people wonder how they pulled off the hoverboard effects, which led to the myth of them being real. It looks so good. Um, learn to picture film in different ways. So I alluded to it earlier. Uh, this was like a long movie. It's like two hundred something pages or something like that, and the budget was astronomical. But what they did is have the idea, like, hey, actually, this could be two films, and you can instead of it being one large bit budget it's two movies with a decent budget not a you know it's a it's a good sell if it wins and it was so nah. learn to pitch your film especially as producer writers you got to learn to pitch your film in different ways fun doesn't always mean safe there was an actual major injury to one of the stunt women during that hoverboard scene when they crashed through the glass at the end oh. one of the stunt women got really hurt and was in the hospital for several days Ouch. Did they say what was wrong with her? Did she break no. her face? No, they didn't go into detail. Wow. Um, so when it comes to sequels, uh, one of the Bobs was talking about this. I don't remember which one, but they were saying uh, with sequels, sequels are like the only sure thing that's in Hollywood that's an actual sure thing. It's like, hey, we can, we can bet on this, you know, the franchise, the IP, all that stuff. And that's why all the executives keep making the same stuff over and over again. But anyhow, he said like sequels are kind of like they're they're weird products and there's like a lot of unrealistic uh, expectations when it comes to sequels. But the reason that they're made is because they're, they're sure things. Mm. Proofread your set designers work because set designers don't always spell well. There was a set design that they had. <laughs> and so with all the different advertisements and marquees, like, like they, Bob Gale had to constantly go back and proofread stuff because this guy was constantly misspelling company names. Yeah, they had to <laughs> fix it. And at one point, there were some things that were in Japanese, and he said it. The production designer said he had gotten someone who knew Japanese to make sure that the spelling was correct. Yeah. Then they had a group of Japanese tourists who were coming <laughs> through, and one of them said, "This sign doesn't make any sense." He's like, like, God, <laughs> production designer. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> right so proofread behind your set designers that's terrible like yeah. where's that guy working now like come on your yeah, job is to make sure this is right it's pretty funny but yeah <laughs> you misspelled Texaco uh, uh, gotta go <laughs> <laughs> um, that's pretty much that's all I have oh I got a couple more um, oh. not all advice is good advice so Leah Thompson's agent once told her that there are only three roles that women can play, the virgin, the mother, or the whore. Dang. And ironically enough, she played all three in, in this film, right? She <laughs> plays the virgin in, in the early part of part one, and she also plays the mother in both parts. And then kind of the latter version of her in the dystopian movie, eh, the way she's dressed, it's kind of on, on the last the last one. Yeah, though. yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, never say never. Mm-hmm. Because uh, in the future it shows the Cubs, um, you know, win the World Series, and that was kind of meant as an inside joke. But of course, what in twenty was that twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen? Don't let me lie. The Cubs actually did win yeah. the World Series, so huh? That, that's always fun to see. When Wasn't far off happen. either. Yeah, year wise. True, true, true. Um, let's see. Mm. When shooting inside a studio. Um, Setting in a season, it's easier to emulate night rather than day. That's why so many of the um, 
settings are at night within this film. Okay. Because it's easier to emulate when you're inside a studio. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can dig that. Uh, and when you shoot something in the past, it's 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 best to only have about ten percent of the cars represent that actual that actual year. So if you're shooting in 1955, you don't want all the cars to be 1955 models because if that if there's if that time has an actual history to it, you're going to have older cars that are there. Absolutely. So yeah, everybody's so, not going to have a new car. Exactly. So only about ten percent of the cars should be from that year. Take that. That's all I got for tips. Yeah, overall, I like the film. Good time. Yes, sir. Good time. Um, what are we diving into next time? We're going back to the future. Yeah. For the third time, as we dive into Back to the Future Part Three and wrap up this Zemeckis trilogy. Indeed, and you can catch us where Facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary. You can also wait. Let me back that up again. Mm-hmm. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud. Well, I was going to say Stitcher Radio, but uh, whoops, whether it Spotify. Yeah, how about that? Uh-huh. Um, we're also on Facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary. You can also find us on. I don't have my normal uh, deal up here. There we go. Let's try this again. Doom, 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 doom. There we go. All right. He is also at. We're on Twitter. He is at Reggie Titus. <laughs> I am at KCG Smith thirty two. We're also on the gram at Filmmaker Commentary. He is at Reginald Titus Junior. That's Jr. I'm at KCG Smith thirty two. Until next time, peace, respect. <laughs>